All right, me. what are we fighting over today? A pair of tickets to see Journey and Def Leppard at Bush Stadium on August 24th. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., and you can get yours on our website at 101sports.com. Very nice. Are you going to go to that, Ron? I sure as hell hope so. Yeah. Going to be a lot of uh, great T-shirts and hair there. They got I a promise lot of you. They're going to have a oh, lot it's of gonna be good. No doubt. Maybe Tom will be there also. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm good, Brad. How are you? I am doing well. You into Journey and Def Leppard at all? I'd love to go. I mean, for free, yeah, right? Absolutely. Can't Even if you had to pay for it. Yeah. I mean, I mean most people show. are going to have to pay for it. Not everybody can win the 4 o'clock fight. Actually, not too many people win the 4 o'clock fight, really. So, What, um, is, what is he, like uh, 75%, you think? more than that. I better shoot an 85 from the field. Uh, anyways, Tom, uh, with, with all that confidence uh, that I just built you up with, you ready to take on Randy? Yeah, thanks for that. Anytime. Anytime. Uh, you can see the support I get around here, Tom, so I don't give out much. So question number one. We which, support you on your birthday. I appreciate that. Thank you one very day much. Uh, all right. Question number one. Which team was Larry Walker with when he won the NL MVP award? Was he on the Cardinals, the Expos, or the Rockies? Um, The Rockies. Question two, who is the Redskins' all-time passing yards leader with 25,206 yards? Is it Joe Theismann, Sonny Jurgensen, or Kirk Cousins? Uh, I'll say Joe Theismann. Question number three, how many, how many Blues have won the James Norris Trophy for the top defenseman? Is it two, three, or four? Um, two. And question number four, who was the last wide receiver to win the Super Bowl MVP award? Was it Heinz Ward, Deion Branch, or Santonio Holmes? Uh, could you repeat those choices again? Heinz Ward, Deion Branch, Santonio Holmes. Um... Uh, San Antonio home. All right, let's bring in Randy. Tom, how you feeling? I'm feeling all right. All right. I think all right might work today. I don't know. I'm feeling all right. I feel all right for Tom. I, 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 you know, I could see him at a Journey, a Def Leppard concert going mm -hmm. crazy, letting your hair down. Tom, could you do that? Would you be uh, head banging out there, flinging your hair around? You got long enough locks to do that? I can, uh, I have a wig guy. I can, I can. Got a wig I guy. got a wig guy. Yes. <laughs> I, I feel like that's the way my, you have to go. I gotta see my guy about yeah, get a, wig. a wig guy. Tack that thing on and get in. <laughs> Randy, in the front row, hammered drunk, <laughs> hammered drunk, Leonard Skinner. Uh, Randy, say hi to Tom. Hey Tom's, Tom, how you doing? Tom's got a wig guy. <laughs> Tom, it's great to have you with us. Thanks oh, for listening. Man. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy, you ready for this? As ready as I'm going to be. Question number one: Which team was Larry Walker with when he won the NL MVP award? I believe he was with the uh, Colorado Rockies, like 1993-ish, maybe. I'll give him. I'll, I'll say the Rockies. Question two: Who was the Redskins' all-time passing yards leader with 25,206 yards? Number nine, Sonny Jurgensen wore a politically incorrect helmet. Question number three. How many Blues have racist. won the James yeah. Norris Trophy for the top defenseman? As Blues? As Blues. I believe it's uh, Chopper and Prongs. I'm going to go with those two. I'm going to say two. Dos. Question number four. Who was the last wide receiver to win the Super Bowl MVP? Hmm. 
Well, let's see. You had uh, Holmesy win it in 08, right? When you caught that winning touchdown catch for the Steelers against uh, Arizona. Two years before that, Heinz Ward won it also for the Steelers. Um, so since 08, 09 was Drew Brees. 2010 was Rodgers. 2011 was Manning. Uh, 2012, I, I'm kind of thinking it's going to be San Antonio Holmes. I'm thinking you're an excellent driver also. This is impressive. Um, so uh, 2012 would have been Ray Lewis, right, in his last game. 2013, uh, that would have been uh, the guy from Seattle, 2014. Um, I yeah Brady and uh, and uh, the Von Miller. So I will go with Antonio Holmes. We get a winner. Tom, congratulations! You got him, man. Four to three. You got all of them. It is uh, the Rockies. Larry Walker was a member of the Rockies when he won when he won the NL MVP award. Joe Theismann is actually the Redskins' mm. all-time passing yards leader. Uh, it is two Blues that have won the Norris Trophy for top defenseman. It is McKinnis and Pronger, and Santonio Holmes was the last wide receiver to win the Super Bowl MVP. So, Tom, congrats, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you. Tom was all over that one. Had a good Tom. Yeah. He's doing his thing. It is 411 in the fast lane. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex Jeweler. Great to have you with us in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Coming up from the train of Alex Smith to Super Bowl 52, there's a lot of talk about the NFL right now. We're going to hit it all with Hub Arkish of Pro Football Weekly and Westwood One. He is next on 101 ESPN. Trying to... Uh, Connect with Hub Arkish of Pro Football Weekly. The commissioner of the NFL, Rob, Roger Goodell, held his State of the League press conference today. And it was interesting, guys, for all the stuff that he's had to go through over the last few years with the relocations of the Rams and the Chargers and the Raiders and all the talk about concussions. Seems like the biggest thing he had to talk about today was the catch rule. Well, that is uh, just from uh, a viewer standpoint like watching at home mm -hmm. and i i don't want to sound callous here i don't want to act like i don't care about like people's like lives and, and their future but I kind of at this point you you know right what you're getting into playing the game of football so i want to know what i'm getting into watching a game of football i believe that is something that needs to be addressed and that's what fans want addressed is the fact that hey you got to figure out you got to be able to tell us uh, or not even tell us we need to be able to just know Right. What a catch is and what a catch is. And the players don't know either. The coaches don't know. And obviously the officials don't know. And it's good for Roger Goodell to at least say, hey, guys, I know you're upset. I'll give a look at that. Something he talked about today was, and I think it's going to turn out to be the most important aspect of this, is the eye test. Is that the catch rule has to pass the eye test. When you're watching, if it's offending your football sensibilities, right, that, that that's clearly a catch. I know it's a catch. And okay, you're going to tell me that it's not. And that happens over and over and over again. That's obnoxious. And you don't like watching a sport that does that to you all the time so i think the idea that apparently they have uh he said they spent something like three hours in a room with a committee of some former players and um i thought he said former players might have been some current players too they looked at about 150 different plays and they took from that what they thought it looks like now the other important idea at least what i took from today 
is that they're not going to add or subtract from the current rule. It sounds like they're going to blow the whole thing up and start over. And, and mm-hmm. really, from the foundation, build the catch rule to make sure it makes sense for everybody who's officiating the game and certainly for people who are watching it and playing. And it seems like it should be so simple. Rather than having a full page of what, what the catch is, it should be a sentence. Right. Yeah, but the the problem is now we can't go backwards as far as replay goes. And we have all of these angles. You're going to see it at home. And either way, you're going to have 50% of the fan base disagreeing with you or the viewers disagreeing with you due to uh, who they are, are rooting for. So that's the problem. We, we find this problem in baseball also. We get every single view of everything. We know exactly what is a strike uh, and what's not a strike. And umpires are not robots yet. And uh, look, we, we, we don't <laughs> know. Coming. So how do you back that up? Like, how do you simplify? And it's easy for us to say, or use common judgment. Because they've taken that away. Like, nobody has judgment anymore. Nobody just has feel anymore. Everything is letter of the law. But I don't know how to come back from that. I don't know just how to say, well, you know, hey, I believe it was. It looked like a catch, and then I see half the football mm-hmm. on the ground on one of my seven replays on Fox. That could be a problem for a fan base, too. I don't think there's a simple answer to this. I think what's ended up happening, and you're right, a lot of times it'll be, well, if it goes for your team, you're going to be, you know, you, that's how you're going to see it. Right. If it goes against your team, you're going to be against it. But what's happened a lot of times this year is they are so blatantly confusing for a lot of people that even if it's a pro call for you, for your team, you're thinking, that doesn't look right. What, right. What's happening here? I, I feel like that's happened way too often in the last few years. And one of the other, th- there were a couple of other notes from Goodell's press conference today. One, and Brad, you used the term letter of the law. I was so happy to know that the Oakland Raiders adhered to the letter of the law to yes. the nth degree in the process of replacing Jack Del Rio with John Gruden and making sure that they adhered to the Rooney rule. And the the thorough investigation by the NFL showed that, indeed, the Raiders had adhered to the Rooney rule. Well, first of all, you know the Raiders are a stand-up organization. They would never do Mm -hmm. anything. They wouldn't skirt the rules uh, in any way. And just because everybody in the world knew that they were going to hire Gruden doesn't mean they they weren't checking things off their list first and interviewing candidates. So I'm glad to hear that also. We know the NFL is all about their rules. They're about their bylaws, and they stick with them. So, look, it's good to hear. And it's reassuring that the league is still still has checks and balances. I think we've always known that the league is on the up and up in general, mm-hmm, right? No doubt. We've never yeah. never felt like a team or um, a collection of teams have gotten together and done something underhanded. No, none of us have ever felt that. No, way. Uh-uh. Um, it's a league of rules. I do love the idea though that uh, we've done an investigation. So then, what did you do? Did you ask people who were within the organization if they considered somebody else? Oh yeah, sure. We totally considered some other guy. Well, how do you how do you know? How can you be inside somebody's head and know whether or not they were actually considering a particular candidate, or if they just brought him in as a formality? Oh, they interviewed their tight ends coach. Oh, I see. And he said, "Well, t- yeah, definitely. He was definitely yeah, but, reconsidered." Uh, honestly, it doesn't matter if you really think he's going to be the guy or not. All you have to do is go through the yeah. process. That's it. That's it. Right. All right, come on. You know what we're doing here. Come on in. The problem right, was Gruden. that they interviewed him after it had been reported that Gruden had the job. It's generally a problem. <laughs> yeah. but, but we're in a society now where that's going to happen a lot. Like, the news mm-hmm. leaks out way earlier. It sure All does. you got to do is have one guy that knows a guy that puts it on Twitter who has a following, and news is gone. Yep. And finally, Roger Goodell said when asked about the possibility of a team relocating, he said, I think all of us in the owners believe, blank.
think, is a great market. It's a market we would like to stay in, and we hope that the franchise owner that is eventually selected will have that view. As you know, that is subject to review by the ownership, and I'm sure that will be a question that many owners will ask, and I think that will clearly be the intent of our ownership. I'd like to believe he wasn't talking about Charlotte. He was actually talking about the Rams, correct? Uh, he was talking about Charlotte. Oh. So that's the that's the boilerplate. That's kind of like the... Uh, I apologize for using steroids template that's on Microsoft Word. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, relocation for a team that he has that's on mm-hmm. Microsoft Word. So where are they going? Our, Ooh, our Mexico people are City. Look at it, Mexico City. Oh, people are losing their heads to get there. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Oh, well, no, that's to there, get out. No get there. I know is a place. Out? I know a place that's uh, empty. Where's that? That's ah, a few miles that way. Yeah. No. 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 It's too dark. Nope. Yeah, maybe well, Oakland. They, the they said the lighting's yeah. bad. I don't know. Oh, really? That's what they said. Okay. Yeah. NFL likes Oakland, eh? Oh, do they? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, is that, a, is that a fact? Yeah. Unbelievable. Didn't know. <laughs> they like Vegas. <laughs> Pretty oh, funny. Wow. So that's Roger Goodell's press conference today, getting ready for Super Bowl Fifty Two. The Patriots, and he, he did express some. Uh, uh, gratitude, some appreciation for what the Patriots have done. But I think he's kind of like everybody else. Like Kurt Warner told us yesterday, I want to see somebody else. Goodell didn't say that. He said all the other league uh, teams in the league really admire what the Patriots have done. But I think we're all tired of them. He didn't say that, but I do. I think we're tired of them in the present. I think 10 to 15 years from now, we will appreciate it more. I like the greatness. time you're ready to move on. Yeah, I yeah. kind of I kind of like it. I'm not going to say I'm rude. I don't for hate them. it anymore. Live on these airwaves. But uh I'm rude. Uh no, never mind. Uh real quick, I know this isn't a football story, but hell, uh, Hub Arkish isn't calling us. Uh Cardinals have brought back somebody, a closer. Oh no. Edward Mujica. Oh, really? He got a minor league deal. I mean, he's 33, bounced around AAA yeah. the last couple of years, but Edward Mujica is back with the St. Louis That's Cardinals. Tremendous. So there's your closer. I'm saying you got another option Closing here. Closing experience. Had his best years here in St. Louis. Uh, I like it. Year. Well, year plus. Let's give him some. And uh, it's another option at the back end of your bullpen. Like but he you. signs a minor league hey. deal. Guy familiar with the organization. If you're going to use a uh, I-55 shuttle anyhow, yep. might as well have a veteran guy on it. Can he start games? Uh, no. Oh. wonder if you could get a guy like Houston Street Coming up on a one-year deal. I got a feeling there are going to be a lot of guys on a one-year deal that you didn't expect yeah. on a one-year deal. A lot of guys trying to prove mm-hmm. it for next year or look just want a job. It's, because there are way more free agents available than there are jobs available. That's how I would like to see the Cardinals approach Arietta. And at some point, Boris is going to have to give in. But... He what? won't give in for a year. It, it, it's well, going to be on like a pillow deal. He might at the very minimum, very minimum, and I still don't think it's likely two years. And if I'm Arietta, I'll wait. I'll wait out. I'll wait spring training. I'll wait until somebody needs somebody because somebody will at the very least give me a three-year deal for $60 million, and I'll wait for that. Because if you're Jake Arietta and maybe you have a belief that you've thrown a lot of innings and yep. maybe it's wearing on you already, I can't sign a one-year deal. Yeah. I can't prove it again. I've proven it already. I've got to get paid. I've got to set myself up for life. But if you are offered a one-year deal for $30 million or a two-year deal for forty-five, If I'm him? Yeah. Uh, you taking the guaranteed forty-five? Yes. Yeah, and actually, I might still hang on for the third year. And just be like, you know what? That sounds great. I know that two-year deal will still be there in a month. So I'll wait. And the third year, the only way I give the third year is if he gives me 190 innings in the second year. So a qualifier. Yep. Hmm. I'm not going to sign that <laughs> if I'm him. Yeah, I don't think yeah. even now, even with players seemingly desperate, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna have incentives like Same that. Same contract at one sixty, you can have it. 
I'll give you the 160 innings guaranteed. Uh, let's meet in the middle. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Pass. Edward Mojica back with the Cardinals. Pretty cool. He was our closer for much of 2013 until the postseason. Now, was that uh, pretty cool as in you actually think it's pretty cool or cool as in I don't really care that much about it? Let's move on. No, I think it's good. It's good to have people that are familiar with the organization well, that, that know. He doesn't have a spot. It's not like they signed Mojica and he's in the Major League bullpen. Right. He signed a minor league deal. He's going to have yep. to earn everything he gets, likely, unless uh, he's lights out and everybody else is not very good. He's not going to be on this team in the beginning of the year. It's a good guy to have. This is a year with so many guys out there to take advantage of those minor league free agents and, all, and offer to spring training. I think there's going to be a lot of quality players that wind up with minor league deals. I do, too. I think there's going to be a lot of players uh, in uh, the middle of spring training that are praying they had one of those minor yeah. league deals. And then it's it, something's going to have to change moving forward, especially if next year, next offseason goes like this one. Something has to change. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Sorry we didn't bring you Hub. Well, it's, it's well, not our Hub. It's more Hub that should be sorry. It's all right. It happens. He's a friend of the show. He'll call back. Yep. Next up, Larry Walker is knocking on the door. Knock, knock, knocking on the Hall of Fame's door. But nobody's letting him in. And he knows why, too. That's next on 101 ESPN. That's former Cardinal Larry Walker, who also played for the Rockies and the Expos, talking about the problems that he'll have getting into the Hall of Fame simply because he played in the thin air of the Mile High City. He said uh, what you just heard, and you have to wonder if that is kind of an unfair point that the writers are making, that here's a guy that his numbers stack up to anybody that has gone in of late, and he couldn't do anything about where he played. No, I I totally agree with that. And I I do believe that Larry Walker will be in the Hall of Fame. I I think that it it might take down to that final push, maybe a last year on the ballot type thing. Not that it should, uh, but but, uh, that will continue to be held against him because there will always be another reason for somebody else to get in while you can say, well, look what he did there. Everybody puts up numbers there. a field doesn't make a five-tool player. Dude right. hit for average. He hit for power. Uh, he had a tremendous arm, smart base run. Like he does every. He did everything right. He's a true five-tool player. So maybe his numbers were a little bit inflated there. So what? Uh, like that happens in a lot of ballparks that it's not held against you. I know course uh, course field uh, is a little bit different animal, and maybe you you can add a little bit more on. Uh, but that shouldn't take away from the greatness of somebody. And like he said there, and I know he was joking, uh, get rid of the team. Get rid of it if that is a problem. Exactly. If you can't be great and play there, uh, I agree. Like, greatness comes everywhere. That's why we have all these advanced numbers, right? Uh, of uh, we, we have ballpark factors, and, and we have all these things where we can say, oh, you know, he'd be great uh, here but not there. Look, he was great everywhere he was. Yeah, so it's, it's, I think it's the exact same thing for left-handed hitters who play in Boston. Should they not get the benefit of playing in that ballpark. It isn't their fault they played. I mean, you, know, you you can have some control if you're a free agent. You can decide where you sign. But the fact is Fenway Park is a place in Major League Baseball. Coors Field is a place in Major League Baseball. And if you play your entire career there, I don't care if, if uh, we know the numbers sometimes offensively can be inflated. That is not your fault. It is not your fault you play in that building. So... I think you should get the benefit of the doubt there. And I know know that Larry went to uh, Twitter today, and we were talking about this earlier in the office, that he didn't really seem to be happy with the way he was portrayed in his interview. And I, I don't think he was portrayed poorly. I thought he 
I don't think, yeah, they, I don't think he tweeted was joking said something to the effect of basically it makes him sound arrogant. I don't think which he so doesn't at all. Because like, Larry Walker yeah. is one of the most down to earth, just good dudes. But he's very proud of what he did, like, and, and he should be. Uh, he's one of the best baseball players in the game for a long, long time. And I'm sure after a couple of years of this, it probably wears on you to hear writers and hear people. And obviously now, I mean, he's on Twitter too. He, he sees all these things. People tag him with articles uh, that say, "Ah, oh, well, Coors Field made him." Uh, playing in the Rockies made Larry Walker. That might tend to piss you off at, at mm-hmm. some point, uh, but by no means is uh, he an arrogant guy. He's just trying to stick up for himself a and, little bit. And I, again, I don't think he came off as arrogant. I thought he was just straightforward about how he feels. Writers are looking at him, and he's 100% correct. I don't, I don't, I'm sure there are some people that probably saw it that way, but some people see things strangely. I, I just, when I read the story that ESPN.com posted, and the headline was Larry Walker, Coors Field hurting chances of making Hall of Fame. I, I think he was right. That statement is true. Um, and I don't think he came off as arrogant at all when he said it. Don Baylor was the first manager of the Rockies, and obviously they played their first year at Mile High High Stadium. And as Coors Field was being built, he and Bob Gebhardt, who wound up being an executive here, and Mo might have actually been involved, because I I believe Mo and Walt Jockety were also involved with the organization at the outset. But they would go out as Coors Field was being built, and kind of gauge the way the wind was blowing. And they discovered that there was a jet stream. Brad, did you ever have to deal with that jet stream into right center in uh, Coors Field? Why would you ask that? Because I dealt with jet streams everywhere in every ballpark that didn't even have jet streams. I made jet (laughs) streams. That's a good point. No, actually, I had success there. I didn't uh, notice the jet stream as much. Because they they went there, I guess it was uh, during the, the strike and during that strike season of 94, and they decide, man, we got to get Larry Walker because this is where he hits the ball. He'll be a good fit. Yeah. And so the, it, the, it's not like the ballpark was built specifically for him, but he was brought in specifically because he, he fit the ballpark. That's another thing you have to look at. That's, there should be, as you say, are, are you, if Barry Bonds wasn't a steroid guy, are you going to punish him because they built AT&T Park with that short right field porch? And McCovey Cove, specifically for Barry Bonds, you, you can't blame a guy for the ballpark that he plays in. Absolutely not. I mean, these these ballparks exist. So what yeah. do you, and, and there are a lot of teams that, just like you said, for one specific reason, they know a guy hits a ball to a certain spot of, uh, spot of the ballpark a lot of times. Oh, he's going to hit a lot more home runs if we bring him here than if he were to sign somewhere else. That happens all the time. Great American it's, Ballpark did that for Griffey, too. I think it's sure, 309 down the that right field. That jet absolutely. stream, yep. by the way, the upper deck. They, it stops, and, and there's a gap. The wind flies through that gap, and it just carries out yep. to right field. I've seen pitchers hit home runs in that ballpark because of that jet stream. Mike Owings? Yeah, he hit one pretty good. It was actually dead center. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're gonna, if you if you're going to, God damn it! Oh my gosh! Here's a question: Why is that audio always ready? Like, why is that like uh, one of those Mike. key? So we got we got more than one of those, do we? Mm. <laughs> Little chuckle. <laughs> All right, good. Well, I'm glad that we have a couple of go tos. Hey, listen, it's your birthday. That is not me. That's not Randy. That's Mike Ryder. Yeah, it's not very cool. I know. Uh, either way, yes. Yeah, sometimes, 
ballparks are are built a certain way. Either way, I'm just looking back at Larry Walker's numbers again, uh, and I get it. I understand the ballpark, but I also understand the era. And as Larry Walker was mm-hmm. talking about, there was no needle going in, going in him. This dude is clean as can be. Look at 363 and 98. He hit 379 and 99, uh, and then he had a down year. He only hit 309 in 2000. Then 350 mm. in 2001. Mm-hmm. He's just such a professional hitter. He's one of the best in the game. Nobody wanted to face him in that ballpark at their place. It didn't matter. Uh, dude's a Hall of Famer. But he's trending in the right direction. He already got a high with the 35% uh, percent mm-hmm. of the votes. It's going to happen for him. But he's going to have to continue to answer the same questions year after year. They're going to keep coming up about the ballpark. He's going to have to keep defending himself until he just gets tired of doing it. And hopefully he gets the call. And there is one other thing to think about here. We seem to, well, people, not us, but people who are voters and who talk about baseball a lot tend to uh, penalize guys for playing in hitters' ballparks. How many times have you ever heard somebody say, well, you can't vote for this pitcher for Hall of Fame because he played in Kansas City or because he played in what is a pitcher-friendly yeah, ballpark really. for a lot of his career? We don't we yeah. do not do that. Why, why, we only do it with hitters. Why don't we do that for pitchers who gave up a lot of home runs? We can say, well, look at the ballparks he gave them oh, up in. Oh, no, that, those were just the why, pitches. Why can't that happen? Good yeah. point. Yeah. Right? By the way, I made a, a mistake for the second time. Uh, 18, mistake. 18, Today? Uh, no. In uh, your life. AT&T Park is 309 down the line, and Great American is 325. Yeah, I had had them reversed. It happens. Yeah. Either way, it flies like it's uh, 309 down the line. Yeah. So so now you know via radio. But whatever they say Fenway is to left, it ain't. <laughs> it's like uh, you feel like you can yeah. stand on the mountain and spit over it. Oh, it's yeah, so I've, close. I've oh, it, is, it really is close. God. Remember... On the, Randy, <laughs> on my birthday, you're going to do the Boston. Randy went to Boston on a road trip. Brad got sent down before. We're going to do that story? No, this is what we're going to do on my birthday. I, no, I was thinking of the other one. There's not many good stories, so it had to be the one that you were thinking of in Boston. No, I, I, I do want to know, though, vantage point and the fact that uh, you can ask me what it looks like from the bullpen or, or from the dugout if you want to, and I'll, I'll call you a Richard. But um, <laughs> what is it like sitting up there? Seriously, do you feel like you're right on top of the action? No doubt. It's pretty yeah, cool you, up it's there. It's very yeah. cool. Because I thought it was crazy. When I got on the mound and I was pitching there and they were hitting rockets off that wall, <laughs> how I thought that the shortstop was going to catch all of them. Yeah. It was so close. There's yep. no doubt. It That's got to be, if you can play a ball well. They won World Series with Manny Ramirez playing left field. So it's got to be the easiest left field to play oh, in Major League to, Baseball. All you have to right? do is just wait up. for it to bounce off the wall yeah. and pick, pick it up. up. Throw yeah. it. Yep. That's it. That's it. Uh, coming up next in the fast lane, allegedly, mm-hmm. Hub Arkush of Pro Football Weekly is going to join us. We'll see next on 101 ESPN. Good to have you with us in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Cardinal World Series champion Brad Thompson, Chris Ranji, Randy Carricker, and we're going to head now to. The Lufius Kia Celebrity Line here on 101 ESPN. And friend of the show, Hub Arkish of Pro Football Weekly, kind enough to join us. Hub, always good to have you with us here in St. Louis. How you doing? Thank you for having me, guys. Good to be with you. Everything's good in Minneapolis. Well, Hub, uh, I feel like we've spent this week already. I know we still got plenty of time to uh, hype up the Eagles, but a lot of the talk is just the brilliance, right? The the uh, the run that the the uh, Patriots have been on, and uh, how smart Bill Belichick is. I want to ask you about the flip side. I want to ask you about Doug Peterson because, uh, by all accounts, he's a brilliant mind himself. The guys seem to love playing for him. What does Doug Peterson have going for him? What are his best characteristics as a head coach? 
Well, I, I think the fact that even though he was never a starter, he was a quarterback in the league for, I want to say, 13 seasons. He played the game. Uh, he still relates fairly well to today's players. Um, he definitely uh, seems to be coming across as a players-type coach. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever used that description on Bill Belichick. Now, players love playing for him, but not because he's a player's coach. And so there is a, a real difference there. And I think more than anything, uh, it's become a passing league. It's become a kind of an offensive-based league, and, and that's Doug Peterson's strength. Uh, you know, I, I think it was as recently as six, eight weeks ago, you weren't hearing anybody talk about RPOs. You know, it's all anybody talks about with offense all of a sudden the last few weeks. These run pass options. Well, Doug Peterson was one of the first guys to start doing that in the NFL in Kansas City a couple of years ago. So that's another part that it's caught on with the media. I think part of it is just because it's trendy, uh, but part of it is it's something that the people think is working right now, and his players seem to like doing it. What they're doing with Nick Foles at the moment, along with their defense, is that good enough to beat New England? Well, yeah, that's a great question, Chris. I, they're they're the two best teams in the NFL. There's no question about that. You love when you get the two number one seeds. Uh, I think that yes, on a given day, Philadelphia is good enough to beat New England. The problem I have with it, though, is and, and you know you were touching on this at the top, is when you compare the experience, when you look at the run that the Patriots are on. I'm just not picking against the Patriots again until after somebody beats them. You look at a game like this, and, and this is this is Belichick territory. This is Brady territory. Amendola, Gronkowski. Uh, talking to the team this morning with the Eagles, all of them were talking about the difference between the wealth of Super Bowl experience that New England has that none of the Eagles have for the most part. So uh, I think the Eagles are a really good football team. If it was a regular season game, I'd probably uh, be a lot more likely to play them, uh, to pick them, I should say. But, but whether they can beat New England in the Super Bowl, I'm just not sure about that yet. Hub of Pro Football Weekly with us in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. And a lot going on in the NFL in addition to the Super Bowl. The big story today, the Kansas City-Washington deal that will be consummated once the league year starts. What was your take on that, and were you surprised? Well, I wasn't surprised, um, but it was for different reasons than most folks. And everybody was predicting, oh, the Chiefs have to deal Alex Smith because they traded for Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that was true at all. Patrick Mahomes uh, is, a, is a great prospect, but he's a developmental project. There's no question about that. And he's probably not ready to start yet with a team that is aging on defense and, and, and may have had its window open for one or two more years. So I don't think this is a football move at all. What happened is the Kansas City Chiefs ended up in salary cap hell. And prior to this trade, uh, they were about $14 million over the salary cap. Now, with the trade, uh, they unload the $20 million bucks that, that Smith would have been due this year. They're now about $7 million under the cap. But they've still got some other free agents. They'd like to be able to keep Benny Logan. They'd like to keep Anthony Sherman, their Pro Bowl fullback, uh, a couple other guys. They've got to create even more cap space. So there may be some more uh, surprising veteran moves. Derek Johnson, the beloved inside linebacker, perennial Pro Bowl, he's going to be 35 years old this year. He's got a $10 million cap hit. Don't, don't be surprised if they release him. Dee Ford was a high pick a couple of years ago. Had a big year rushing the passer two years ago, but has been disappointing. He's got an $8 million cap hit. They're going to make a few more moves like that. And so this isn't about, you know, playing Patrick Mahomes now 
and get rid of Alex Smith because he did something wrong. This was the best first step they could make to try and start to fix a very bad salary cap situation. Hub, just from a, a football standpoint, is uh, is Smith, you believe Smith is an upgrade over Kirk Cousins there as quarterback for the Redskins? You know, I don't know if I can say he's an upgrade over Kirk Cousins only because Cousins has played at a pretty high level the last few years. That's why they had to franchise him a couple times. I do think that Alex Smith is the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. I am so tired of people complaining about him and actually blaming Chiefs' problems on him. Chiefs have done nothing but win since they got him, and I've done a few of his games on the sidelines for Westwood One. He does everything you want an elite quarterback to do. He was the highest-rated quarterback in the NFL this year. So um, I, I don't think you can say he's an upgrade. I think it's pretty much a trade. And what's interesting about it is that he's four years older than Kirk Cousins. Now, he's still you know, in his prime as quarterbacks go. He'll be 34 when the season starts. Um, but at least with him, Washington was able to do a deal that isn't punitive. Uh, you know, they've got him extended now for four years. If we're to believe what we've been told about this trade, that can't even be made for another month and a half. Um, and it came at a much lower price than what Cousins was going to cost him. I don't think Kirk Cousins wanted to be in Washington. I don't know if they could have come up with a deal he would have signed. And so in that regard, it's a good move for Washington. But I wouldn't say he's necessarily an upgrade. I think it's a, it's a pretty good lateral move that they were forced to, to make by a player in Cousins who didn't want to be, want to be with Washington. Well, a lot of possibilities for Cousins now. Where does he go? Chris is going to be the highest-paid player in the NFL. Uh, this is the first time that a potential franchise quarterback has actually made it to free agency since Drew Brees in 2006. You know, Peyton Manning was out there uh, five years ago, but he was already in his late 30s, coming off neck surgery, and uh, you know, wasn't going to go to just any team. He was picking one or two teams. As far as a wide open free agency recruitment for a top quarterback, this just never happens. And so uh, we know that Cleveland is going to be active. Uh, there's a good chance that Denver is going to be active. Uh, it wouldn't be at all surprising to see the New York Giants get into it. Minnesota is going to need a quarterback with all three of their guys as free agents. There are at least half a dozen teams that could get involved in this. Don't be surprised if Jacksonville gets involved in this. Now, I thought that Blake Bortles played the best game of his career uh, two weeks ago against New England, but in the fourth quarter it wasn't good enough. Kirk Cousins probably at this stage of his career is a better quarterback than Blake Bortles, so even they could get involved, and then you'd have them probably trying to trade but maybe having to release Bortles. So uh, there's going to be no shortness of suitors. There'll even be a couple surprise teams that we're not expecting uh, I'd look for Cousins to get the first $150 million deal in the NFL. Hub, do you think that the, if uh, Jacksonville did decide to move on from Blake Bortles, that would be a lot to do with the influence of Tom Coughlin, who has been used to a, a veteran quarterback? Maybe that uh, his say would sway it? Well, he definitely has the most power in the organization right now. They retain David Caldwell, who is a very good young general manager, who I think is underrated. But there's no question that at the end of the day that Coughlin can overrule both Caldwell and Maroney. Um, the question is, what does he think of Bortles? You know, remember, he had Eli Manning and won two Super Bowls with Eli when nobody ever wanted to give him his respect. So I think the question is, looking at those three games in December, and how well Bortles played, you know, in the playoffs, and even in losing that championship game, is that enough to convince Coughlin that he's a guy like Eli, who may never be the best quarterback in the league, but who can win rings with? Um, that's what we don't know because at this point, Bortles is a veteran. You know, he's been around four years now. 
Uh, it's really just a question of whether Crawford. And then, again, you only do this if you're going to make an upgrade. And the Jaguars have some cap space, but they're not in the best cap space in the world. And this contract with Cousins is going to be tricky. Hub, thanks so much for your time. We always appreciate it. And enjoy the week in Minneapolis. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That is Hub Arkish, Pro Football Weekly and Westwood One, joining us on the Lufius Kia Celebrity Line here on 101 ESPN. Next up, what would you think if you randomly stumbled upon a chest of gold coins? That happened to the two guys in our next story. The details next before take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. That's former Cardinal Larry Walker, who also played for the Rockies and the Expos, talking about the problems that he'll have getting into the Hall of Fame simply because he played in the thin air of the Mile High City. He said uh, what you just heard, and you have to wonder if that is kind of an unfair point that the writers are making, that here's a guy that his numbers stack up to anybody that has gone in of late, and... He couldn't do anything about where he played. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I do believe that Larry Walker will be in the Hall of Fame. I, I think that it, it might take down to that final push, maybe a last year on the ballot type thing. Not that it should, uh, but, but uh, that will continue to be held against him because there will always be a, another reason for somebody else to get in while you can say, oh, well, look what he did there. Like, everybody puts up numbers there. Uh a field doesn't make a five-tool player. Dude right. hit for average. He hit for power. Uh, he had a, a tremendous arm, smart base run. Like he does every. He did everything right. He's a true five-tool player. So maybe his numbers were a little bit inflated there. So what? Uh, like that happens in a lot of ballparks that it's not held against you. I know course uh, course field uh, is a little bit different animal, and maybe you you can add a little bit more on. Uh, but that shouldn't take away from the greatness of somebody. And like he said there, and I know he was joking, uh, get rid of the team. Get rid of it if that is a problem. Exactly. If you can't be great and play there, uh, I agree. Like, greatness comes everywhere. That's why we have all these advanced numbers, right? Uh, of uh, we, we have ballpark factors, and, and we have all these things where we can say, ah, oh, you know, he'd be great uh, here but not there. Look, he was great everywhere he was. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's, I think it's the exact same thing for left-handed hitters who play in Boston. Should they not get the benefit of playing in that ballpark. It isn't their fault they played. I mean, you, know, you, you can have some control if you're a free agent. You can decide where you sign. But the fact is Fenway Park is a place in Major League Baseball. Coors Field is a place in Major League Baseball. And if you play your entire career there, I don't care if, if uh, we know the numbers sometimes offensively can be inflated. That is not your fault. It is not your fault you play in that building. So... I think you should get the benefit of the doubt there. And I know know that Larry went to uh, Twitter today, and we were talking about this earlier in the office, that he didn't really seem to be happy with the way he was portrayed in his interview. And I I don't think he was portrayed poorly. I thought he... I don't think, yeah, I don't think he tweet was joking something to the effect of basically it makes him sound arrogant, I don't think which he so doesn't like. Because Larry Walker yeah. is one of the most down-to-earth, just good dudes. But he's very proud of what he did, like, and, and he should be. Uh, he's one of the best baseball players in the game for a long, long time. And I'm sure after a couple of years of this, it probably wears on you to hear writers and hear people. And obviously now, I mean, he's on Twitter too. He, he sees all these things. People tag him with articles uh, that say, ah, oh, well, Coors Field made him. Uh, playing in the Rockies made Larry Walker. That might tend to piss you off at, at mm-hmm. some point, uh, but by no means is uh, he an arrogant guy. 
just trying to stick up for himself a and, little bit. And I, again, I don't think he came off as arrogant. I thought he was just straightforward about how he feels. Writers are looking at him, and he's a hundred percent correct. I don't, I don't. I'm sure there are some people that probably saw it that way, but some people see things strangely. I, I just when I read the story that ESPN.com posted, and the headline was Larry Walker Coors Field hurting chances of making Hall of Fame. I, I think he was right. That statement is true, um, and I don't think he came off as arrogant at all when he said it. Don Baylor was the first manager of the Rockies, and obviously they played their first year at Mile High, High Stadium. And as Coors Field was being built, he and Bob Gebhardt, who wound up being a, an executive here, and Mo might have actually been involved because um, I, I believe Mo and Walt Jockety were also involved with the organization at the outset. But they would go out as Coors Field was being built and kind of gauge the way the wind was blowing. And they discovered that there was a jet stream. Brad, did you ever have to deal with that jet stream into right center in uh, Coors Field? Why would Field? you ask that? Because I dealt with jet streams everywhere in every ballpark that didn't even have jet streams. I made jet <laughs> that's, streams. That's, that's a good point. No, actually, I had success there. I didn't uh, notice the jet stream as much. Because they they went there, I guess it was uh, during the, the strike and during that strike season of 94, and they decided, man, we got to get Larry Walker because this is where he hits the ball. He'll be a good fit. Yeah, and so the it, the it's not like the ballpark was built specifically for him, but he was brought in specifically because he he fit the ballpark. That's another thing you have to look at. That there should be, as you say, are are you if Barry Bonds wasn't a steroid guy, are you going to punish him because they built AT&T Park with that short right field porch and, and McCovey Cove specifically for Barry Bonds? You, you can't blame a guy for the ballpark that he plays in. Absolutely not. I mean, these these ballparks exist. So what yeah. do you, and, and there are a lot of teams that, just like you said, for one specific reason, they know a guy hits a ball to a certain spot of, a, spot of the ballpark a lot of times. Oh, he's going to hit a lot more home runs if we bring him here than if he were to sign somewhere else. That happens all the time. Great American it's, Ballpark did that for Griffey, too. I think it's sure, absolutely. 309 down the that right field line. jet stream, yep. by the way, the upper deck, they, it stops, and, and there's a gap. The wind flies through that gap and it just carries out yep. to right field. I've seen pitchers hit home runs in that ballpark because of that jet stream. Mike Owings? Yeah, he hit one pretty good. It was actually dead center. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're gonna if you if you're going to God damn Oh it. my gosh. Here's a question. Why is that audio always ready? Like why is that like uh you're gonna have one to ask keep So we got we got more than one of those, do we? Mm. <laughs> Little chuckle. <laughs> All right, good. Well, I'm glad that we have a couple of go-tos. A, hey, listen, it's your birthday. That is not me. That's not Randy. That's Mike Wright. Yeah, it's not very cool. I know. Uh, either way, yes. Yeah, sometimes ballparks are are built a certain way. Either way, I'm just looking back at Larry Walker's numbers again, uh, and I get it. I understand the ballpark, but I also understand the era. And as Larry Walker was mm -hmm. talking about, there was no needle going in, going in him. This dude is clean as can be. Look at 363 and 98. He hit 379 in 99, uh, and then he had a down year. He only hit 309 in 2000. Then 350 mm -hmm. in 2001. Mm -hmm. He's just such a professional hitter. He's one of the best in the game. Nobody wanted to face him in that ballpark at their place. It didn't matter. Uh, dude's a Hall of Famer. But 
He's trending in the right direction. He already got a high with the 35% uh, mm -hmm. of the votes. It's going to happen for him, but he's going to have to continue to answer the same questions year after year. They're going to keep coming up about the ballpark. He's going to have to keep ha defending himself until he just gets tired of doing it, and hopefully yeah, sure. he gets the call. And there is one other thing to think about here. We seem to, well, people, not us, but people who are voters and who talk about baseball a lot tend to uh, penalize guys for playing in hitters' ballparks. How many times have you ever heard somebody say, well, you can't vote for this pitcher for Hall of Fame because he played in Kansas City or because he played in what is a pitcher-friendly yeah, ballpark really. for a lot of his career? We don't. We don't do that. Why, why, we only do it with hitters. Why don't we do that for pitchers who gave up a lot of home runs? We can say, well, look at the ballparks he gave them oh, up. Oh, no, that, those were just the pitches. Why, why can't that happen? Good yeah. point. Yeah. Right? By the way, I made a, a mistake for the second time. Uh, it's 18, a mistake. 18, Today? Uh, no. In uh, your life? Yeah. AT&T Park is 309 down the line. And Great American is 325. Yeah, I had had them reversed. It happens. Yeah. Either way, it flies like it's uh, 309 down the line. Yeah. So now you know via radio. But whatever they say Fenway is to left, it ain't. <laughs> it's like you feel like you can yeah. stand on the mound and spit over it. Oh, it's yeah, so I've, close. I've oh, it, is, it really is close. God. Remember Randy <laughs> on my birthday? <laughs> oh, you're going to do the Boston. Randy went to Boston on a road trip. Brad got sent down before. We're going to do that story? No, this is what we're going to do on my birthday. I, no, I was thinking of the other one. There's not many good stories, so it had to be the one that you were thinking of in Boston. No, I, I, I do want to know, though, vantage point and the fact that uh, you can ask me what it looks like from the bullpen or, or from the dugout if you want to, and I'll, I'll call you a Richard. But um, <laughs> what is it like sitting up there? Seriously, do you feel like you're right on top of the action? No doubt. It's pretty yeah, cool it, up it's there. It's very yeah. cool. Because I thought it was crazy. When I got on the mound and I was pitching there and they were hitting rockets off that wall, <laughs> how I thought that the shortstop was going to catch all of them. Yeah. It was so close. There's yep. no doubt. It That's got to be, if you can play a ball well. They won World Series with Manny Ramirez playing left field. So it's got to be the easiest left field to play oh, in Major League to, Baseball, all you have to right? do is just wait for it to bounce off the wall yeah, and pick, pick it up. up throw yeah. it. Yep. That's it. Uh, coming up next in the fast lane, allegedly, mm -hmm. Hub Arkush of Pro Football Weekly is going to join us. We'll see next on 101 ESPN. Good to have you with us in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Cardinal World Series champion Brad Thompson, Chris Ranji, Randy Carricker, and we're going to head now to... The Lufius Kia Celebrity Line here on 101 ESPN. And friend of the show, Hub Arkish of Pro Football Weekly, kind enough to join us. Hub, always good to have you with us here in St. Louis. How you doing? Thank you for having me, guys. Good to be with you. Everything's good in Minneapolis. Well, Hub, uh, I feel like we've spent this week already. I know we still got plenty of time to uh, hype up the Eagles, but a lot of the talk is just the brilliance, right? The the uh, the run that the the uh, Patriots have been on, and uh, how smart Bill Belichick is. I want to ask you about the flip side. I want to ask you about Doug Peterson because, uh, by all accounts, he's a brilliant mind himself. The guys seem to love playing for him. What does Doug Peterson have going for him? What are his best characteristics as a head coach? Well, I think the fact that even though he was never a starter, he was a quarterback in the league for, I want to say, 13 seasons. He played the game. Uh, he still relates fairly well to today's players. Um, he definitely uh, seems to be coming across as a players-type coach. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever used that description on Bill Belichick. Now, players love playing for him, but not because he's a player's coach. And so there is a, a real difference there. And I think more than anything – uh, it's become a passing league. It's become a kind of an offensive-based league, and, and that's Doug Peterson's strength. Uh, you know, I, I think it was 
as recently as six, eight weeks ago, you weren't hearing anybody talk about RPOs. You know, it's all anybody talks about with offense all of a sudden the last few weeks, these run pass options. Well, Doug Peterson was one of the first guys to start doing that in the NFL in Kansas City a couple of years ago. So that's another part that it's caught on with the media. I think part of it is just because it's trendy, uh, but part of it is it's something that the people think is working right now and his players seem to like doing it. What they're doing with Nick Foles at the moment, along with their defense, is that good enough to beat New England? Well, yeah, that's a great question, Chris. I, they're they're the two best teams in the NFL. There's no question about that. You love when you get the two number one seeds. Uh, I think that yes, on a given day, Philadelphia is good enough to beat New England. The problem I have with it, though, is and, and you know you were touching on this at the top, is when you compare the experience, when you look at the run that the Patriots are on. I'm just not picking against the Patriots again until after somebody beats somebody. You look at a game like this, and, and this is this is Belichick territory. This is Brady territory. Amendola, Gronkowski. Uh, talking to the team this morning with the Eagles, all of them were talking about the difference between the wealth of Super Bowl experience that New England has that none of the Eagles have for the most part. So uh, I think the Eagles are a really good football team. If it was a regular season game, I'd probably uh, be a lot more likely to play them, uh, to pick them, I should say. But, but whether they can beat New England in the Super Bowl, I'm just not sure about that yet. Hub of Pro Football Weekly with us in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. And a lot going on in the NFL in addition to the Super Bowl. The big story today, the Kansas City-Washington deal that will be consummated once the league year starts. What was your take on that, and were you surprised? Well, I wasn't surprised, um, but it was for different reasons than most folks. And everybody was predicting, oh, the Chiefs have to deal Alex Smith because they traded for Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that was true at all. Patrick Mahomes uh, is a is a great prospect, but he's a developmental project. There's no question about that. And he's probably not ready to start yet with a team that is aging on defense and, and, and may have had its window open for one or two more years. So I don't think this is a football move at all. What happened is the Kansas City Chiefs ended up in salary cap hell. And prior to this trade, uh, they were about $14 million over the salary cap. Now, with the trade, uh, they unload the $20 million bucks that, that Smith would have been due this year. They're now about $7 million under the cap. But they've still got some other free agents. They'd like to be able to keep Benny Logan. They'd like to keep Anthony Sherman, their Pro Bowl fullback, uh, a couple other guys. They've got to create even more cap space. So there may be some more uh, surprising veteran moves. Derek Johnson, the beloved inside linebacker, perennial Pro Bowl, he's going to be 35 years old this year. He's got a $10 million cap hit. Don't, don't be surprised if they release him. D. Ford was a high pick a couple of years ago. Had a big year rushing the passer two years ago, but has been disappointing. He's got an eight million dollar cap hit. They're going to make a few more moves like that. And so this isn't about you know playing Patrick Mahomes now and get rid of Alex Smith because he did something wrong. This was the best first step they could make to try and start to fix a very bad salary cap situation. Hub, just from a, a football standpoint, is uh, is Smith? You believe Smith is an upgrade over Kirk Cousins there as quarterback for the Redskins? You know, I don't know if I can say he's an upgrade over Kirk Cousins only because Cousins has played at a pretty high level the last few years. That's why they had to franchise him a couple times. 
I do think that Alex Smith is the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. I am so tired of people complaining about him and actually blaming Chiefs' problems on him. Chiefs have done nothing but win since they got him, and I've done a few of his games on the sidelines for Westwood One. He does everything you want an elite quarterback to do. He was the highest-rated quarterback in the NFL this year. So um, I, I don't think you can say he's an upgrade. I think it's pretty much a trade. And what's interesting about it is that he's four years older than Kirk Cousins. Now, he's still, you know, in his prime as quarterbacks go. He'll be 34 when the season starts. Um, but at least with him, Washington was able to do a deal that isn't punitive. Uh, you know, they've got him extended now for four years. If we believe what we've been told about this trade, that can't even be made for another month and a half. Um, and it came at a much lower price than what Cousins was going to cost him. I don't think Kirk Cousins wanted to be in Washington. I don't know if they could have come up with a deal he would have signed. And so in that regard, it's a good move for Washington. But I wouldn't say he's necessarily an upgrade. I think it's a, it's a pretty good lateral move that they were forced to, to make by a player in Cousins who didn't want to be want to be with Washington. Well, a lot of possibilities for Cousins now. Where does he go? Chris is going to be the highest-paid player in the NFL. Uh, this is the first time that a potential franchise quarterback has actually made it to free agency since Drew Brees in 2006. You know, Peyton Manning was out there uh, five years ago, but he was already in his late 30s, coming off neck surgery, and uh, you know, wasn't going to go to just any team. He was picking one or two teams. As far as a wide-open free agency recruitment for a top quarterback, this just never happens. And so uh, we know that Cleveland is going to be active. Uh, there's a good chance that Denver is going to be active. Uh, it wouldn't be at all surprising to see the New York Giants get into it. Minnesota is going to need a quarterback with all three of their guys as free agents. There are at least half a dozen teams that could get involved in this. Don't be surprised if Jacksonville gets involved in this. Now, I thought that Blake Bortles played the best game of his career uh, two weeks ago against New England, but in the fourth quarter it wasn't good enough. Kirk Cousins probably at this stage of his career is a better quarterback than Blake Bortles, so even they could get involved, and then you'd have them probably trying to trade but maybe having to release Bortles. So uh, there's going to be no shortness of suitors. There'll even be a couple surprise teams that we're not expecting uh, I'd look for Cousins to get the first $150 million deal in the NFL. Hub, do you think that the, if uh, Jacksonville did decide to move on from Blake Bortles, that would be a lot to do with the influence of Tom Coughlin, who has been used to a, a veteran quarterback? Maybe that uh, his say would sway it? Well, he definitely has the most power in the organization right now. They retain David Caldwell, who is a very good young general manager, who I think is underrated. But there's no question that at the end of the day that Coughlin can overrule both Caldwell and Maroney. Um, the question is, what does he think of Bortles? You know, you know, remember, he had Eli Manning and won two Super Bowls with Eli when nobody ever wanted to give him his respect. So I think the question is, looking at those three games in December, and how well Bortles played, you know, in the playoffs and even in losing that championship game, is that enough to convince Coughlin that he's a guy like Eli who may never be the best quarterback in the league but who can win rings with? Um, that's what we don't know because at this point, Bortles is a veteran. You know, he's been around four years now. Uh, it's really just a question of whether Coughlin – and then, again, you only do this if you're going to make an upgrade. And the Jaguars have some cap space, but they're not in the best cap space in the world. And this contract with Cousins is going to be tricky. Hub, thanks so much for your time. We always appreciate it. And enjoy the week in Minneapolis. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That is Hub Arkish, Pro Football Weekly and Westwood One, joining us on the Lufius Kia Celebrity Line here on 101 ESPN. Next up, what would you think if you randomly stumbled upon a chest of gold coins? 
that happened to the two guys in our next story. The details next before Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN.